This is Mouth Media Network, covering the business of lifestyle. Welcome to the All Possibilities Podcast. I'm your host, Julie Chan, intuitive life purpose coach and founder of Being My Purpose. I had a successful career, an Ivy League education, and led a very rational life. Several years ago, I had a spiritual awakening, developed psychic gifts, and decided to dedicate my life to pursue my purpose and empower others. I'm hungry to learn even more about the incredible potential of the human mind and spirit. On this podcast, I talk to entrepreneurs, executives, scientists, and leaders to hear their stories of transformation, the science behind them, and what it means for you to unlock your potential in your life and career. Together, let's embark on a discovery of all possibilities. Welcome, everyone, to All Possibilities. I'm your host, Julie Chan, and I'm here with a guest. His name is Bill Carmody. He is the CEO of a company called TreyPoint. As far as I know, it is a digital marketing agency, and that's all I know about him. <laughs> so on this podcast, what we'll do is we'll get to know Bill a little bit more, and I will be sharing an intuitive mini reading that I have already done for him. Amazing. So I'm always always excited to, to do that. So welcome to the show, Bill. Glad Thank to you have for you. having me, Julie. I really appreciate it. All right. So, Bill, why don't you first start off by telling us a little bit about yourself, what you do, and why you agreed to be on our show today. Sure. Um, so uh, I've been doing digital marketing for the last 23 years. I actually built the very first commercial websites for AT&T, MasterCard, CBS, and Coors Brewing Company in 1994, uh, when there was only 50,000 websites in existence. Uh, I've done the whole, everything from banner ad campaign, search engine marketing, blah, 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 right? All the way up through now, I do a lot more content marketing, helping clients really find their true authentic voice and help them in that way. Um, you know, the reason I wanted to come on the show is over the last two years, I've been going through a tremendous amount of personal transformation. Uh, the very first time was when I actually went to uh, a Tony Robbins Unleash the Power Within event. And that was when I realized my life was totally on the wrong track. And I knew that, right? And I knew for a fact that I was going down the wrong path. And so it was time for some pretty seismic change. And so it wasn't about little things. I was uh, 255 pounds at the time. Um, so I, I, I lost 50 pounds over the next, you know, three to four months. And so I was very aggressive on that. Um, I decided to do some really amazing challenges, including doing my very first marathon. Um, I'm actually training right now for an Ironman, which is 140 miles, uh, point, you know, uh, on July 29th. And I have like two, uh, two world-class co coaches helping me with that. So I share this only because, you know, my personal transformations have been amazing. But at the same time, what really draws me to your program and your show is I know from a spiritual standpoint, there's more. And I know that even though that I'm, I'm on a better path than I was, say, two years ago, I'm looking to take it all to the highest level possible. And so I'm using every tool, every, you know, whether it's books, whether it's seminars, webinars, uh, just, you know, anything I can do to sort of make my, uh, not just my life better, but be able to get to a place where I'm playing full out across all all aspects of my life and really am trying to be the person I was born to be. Wow. That is, uh, that's like a, a, in a nutshell, just so I can see so many forms of transformation and I love the hunger that you have. And I, I call it the inner empowerment toolkit, where if we can just keep expanding and building this toolkit, where at any point in time when we're when we're knocked down or we're dealing with some yes. incredible stress, we're able to access a tool that can really bring us back up again. So that's incredible. Thank you. So let's go to that very moment during this kind of tra physical transformation yeah, that sure. you mentioned. What was the moment like when you realized 
I need to do something about this. So there's there's um, something really interesting uh, that uh, Tony Robbins does at his conferences called the Charles Dickens process. And if you've read, if you watch the Christmas story, you know it's the same thing. You sort of look at Christmas past, Christmas present, Christmas future. But in this particular case, it's your own life, and you're looking at sort of you know who you've been, sort of your history, where you are presently, and if you don't make any changes, where will you likely be? And it, it was, and I think part of it is, is that you know when you're overweight, for example. You know, you want to lose weight, right? You have that sort of desire, like, I shouldn't be this fat. You know, that's just sort of like where you are. But you don't necessarily have the tool or the motivation, you know, specifically the why, you know, knowing why you want to do this. And so, what I was able to do in that exercise was visualize my own death happening soon, like five years, you know, six years, not in a long term piece. But I was thinking, God, here I am. You know, it's like I'm killing myself for my business. My business is doing extremely well. I'm very happy about that, but it's taking a massive toll on my health. You know, I'm not, I'm not doing what I need to do. And I'm a fourth degree black belt, right? So I've been a fourth degree black belt for a while. This wasn't something that just happened in the last two years. I've been doing karate forever. But the problem was, is that if you put the wrong fuel in the tank, you know, and you make a lot of bad food choices, it doesn't matter how much you work out. You're, you're going to basically be overweight. So what I saw was, God, I have all these unhealthy habits. You know, when I come home from work, I immediately go drink and maybe smoke some weed or some, something that's basically going to not, not be good for my body. And what I saw was my children crying over my grave. And so that was the transformational moment was when I realized at that moment, it's like, if this, if nothing else, I owe it to my children, I owe it to my wife to make better choices that are going to extend my life. I don't want to be dead in the next five, six years. And I really felt that very authentically, that if I just kept going the way I was between my stress, my eating habits, all of all those things happening, I was going to be dead quickly. And if I didn't make those changes, I knew exactly where I would end up. That was enough. That Sort of gave me the why that I needed to basically just cut it out and just change dramatically where I had struggled with weight in the past. I was like, it was, I was on it, right? I was absolutely into it. And from that point on, I said, okay, I'm never going back there. And so for two years, two and a half years, I've kept it all off. And now I'm going to that next level with the Ironman. I'm just like, you know, what's the next goal? I keep moving the goalpost to make sure that I'm living that healthy, authentic life. Wow. That's a really powerful image. And and I recently had heard of people writing their own obituaries as a way yes. to to really let them dig deep to understand what it is that they want their life to look like for, for themselves, but also the people around them. Yes. So when you were visualizing that image, did it did it come to you from from your own mind? Hmm. Or do you feel like it just popped? in your head, like, what was that like? That was my first question. And the second is, were you feeling a sense of loss for yourself or for your children? Or like, let, let's a dig question. a little deeper into what were the, the nuances in those emotions? Um, if you'll permit me, I got to go a little bit further back to tell you the answer to the first question, which was, I grew up Catholic in, and I say that because, um, my, uh, my mom is what I would call a Shiite Catholic. She's very, very like, you know, mm, Catholicism is where it's at, Right. And so I wanted to be Pope Bill the first. And I say this because I, from a religion perspective, I was very spiritual as a young child. Um, and then I had a, a priest take pictures of me naked and it really destroyed my trust, my beliefs. I, and, and really, I allowed him to take my faith away from me. And I mean that because it wasn't he, – he did what he did, but I allowed it to mean a lot more than it probably should have. And so I sort of became agnostic, and I was like, you know what? I don't know if there's uh, – you know what happens after we die. All these things that I had learned in Catholicism, I just it just it evaporated for me. So I basically had gone along my way uh, and not really thinking about religion or spirituality. And I say that because in the moment of transformation – I felt a spirituality sense that I'd never felt before. And I mean that very authentically that in a room of thousands of people coming together, all doing the same sort of uh, guided exercise, it didn't feel like an intellectual exercise. It definitely felt like there was this popping of the image was sort of like, this is your future. This is where it is. This is exactly how it's going to be. Is this what you truly want? And so, you know, nobody planted that image in my head. You know, there was the, the guided meditations were all based on sort of a journey. It had nothing to do with the image that actually showed up. But 
I also felt that the energy in that room, there's no other way to describe it, that, you know, that all these people that were completely connected to each other in that moment, they were all experiencing just amazing things. Some people were crying and wailing and other people were laughing and giggling. I mean, it was like, it was just this weird sort of sense of all these things. But for me, this was just so powerful and it was so moving. It was like, I had that sense of spirituality that I hadn't sensed since I was a kid, right? So, so I, I share the first part with you because that was, you asked about it. Like, yes, that was that sort of feeling like I can't not believe that there's not something more if this is sort of that, that feeling that I had. And the second question, remind me, uh, I'm trying to, sorry. Kind of diving into the emotions of, of that Oh, doing it for loss. myself. Yeah, or was it else. for you? Was it for? It was definitely for my children, and it was definitely for my uh, my wife. What I realized was is that I wouldn't do it for myself. Mm. Like truthfully, you know, it's like I felt that I was living in a good place in the sense that you know I had great, you know, by all standards, you know, I I was successful from a from having a business that was on the Inc. Five Thousand list two years in a row. Um, financially, I was I was fine. I wasn't rich, but I was certainly I could survive, and I was doing really well financially. Um, I had an amazing wife. I had amazing kids. I mean, from the outside looking in, it's like an iceberg. You know, the tip of the iceberg, everything looked great and fantastic, but inside, I was not feeling it. And so, you know, that sort of seeing my children crying on my grave was that moment that said, you know what, even if you think everything, like no matter what you feel about your own life and how where things are, what other people believe, you know that uh, if you keep going down this path, you're going to rob your children, you're going to rob your wife of the long, long life that you could have if you made different choices. And so that was what kicked me into high gear. That was like, I would never, you'd never steal from your children, but that's exactly what I was doing. By not taking care of myself, I had this immense sense of thievery that I was taking my own life away from them and that I could be doing so much more for them if I just took care of myself. Hmm. And that is something that a lot of business owners, entrepreneurs can certainly relate to. Sure. There's that that kind of hamster wheel yes. that we're all running on. Yes. And we, we think we won. Yes. And we're like we, we got all the gold stars. That's right, exactly. And and yet that comes up. So out of curiosity, if you could if you could kind of take your children's shoes mm. in that moment and they're they're at you know, standing at your grave. Yes. What, what would they have said to you? Oh, I, I heard it loud moment. and clear. I don't have to imagine this at all. They said, why, why daddy, why, why would you allow you to do this? You know, was it that important? You know, like all the things you were doing, you know, whether it was eating wrong, whether it was drinking too much, whether it was just, you know, not exercising the way I could be, you know, why were you not taking care of yourself? And, and, and now we have to go through this, the rest of our lives on our own, you know, there's so much more we need. And it was just like what was going, so I could, because it was this, uh, visualization, I could go go inside their minds. And so it wasn't just what they were physically saying, because all they were physically saying was why, but the connectedness to the why was all these things. You know, you had all these choices and you made the wrong ones. Why? Why would you make these choices if you knew that it was going to result in this and and, and taking you, you away from us? You know, no money in the world is worth the time that we could be spending with you. You know what I mean? All these things were coming up like, you know, so powerfully to the point where you knew in that moment, okay, this is it. I'm not like that. That old me is totally done as of this second. Change doesn't happen over years. It happens in a split second. And it, having that power just allowed me to understand exactly where I needed to go. And so from that moment, there was absolute clarity around the fact that I knew what I had to do in order to extend my life. You know, I mean, I, that was the, that was the mantra, you know, it's like, I got to drop down to 190, 190 pounds so that I can live to past 90. You know what I mean? I just sort of had that in my head. I knew how, what choice I was making wrong and just how to fix them, you know, and just basically just going after it with everything, you know? Yeah. When, when you shared that, I could, I could feel the emotion and, and that's, that's sort of been in my case, just being more open to this kind of energy. I can mm. feel it more. And so I got the tingles and I, I could feel, I got a little emotional too, um, around the point of, of, is it really that important? Right. Right. Well, and we'll do so much more for our children and our spouse and the people that we love than we'll ever do for ourselves. And that's the thing for me was that 
the reason it wasn't working before was because I was trying to do something for me. The minute I stopped that and I thought about how can I do more for others, it all changed. It all changed. Yeah. So how did those moments impact you now? Meaning two years, two and a half years later. Mm -hmm. Um, so it, it has grounded me. It has allowed me to sort of have that clear, crisp direction. And you don't forget something like that. You know, you have, it's almost like having a traumatic experience. You'll never forget it. And so, uh, I feel very much like that was the, that was day one of the, of who I am today. Right. And, and having that transformation, um, I can always go back to it. You know, if I feel like I'm falling down the wrong path or I'm going in the wrong direction, it centers me. It allows me to go back to that moment and, and just in a, in a, in a flash re-experience, not the whole thing, but enough to remind me what I need to be doing and to get back to where I'm supposed to be. And you had mentioned that you were questioning your spirituality or your beliefs even had walked away from it. Yeah. How would you characterize your beliefs now? I, I believe that I believe in the interconnected web of existence. I believe that spiritually we are all connected. I believe that um, I've experienced more recently uh, in a connection to the divine than I have in many, many years. Uh, I sort of turned that off and I, and I said, you know what, I'm not, you know, I, I just don't want to even think about this anymore because I associated spirituality with a bad incident. So, uh, you know, it just, it, and that was my undoing, right? And that was my mistake. And I didn't realize at the time, but you know, since that time, I've been much more aware of spirituality and therefore it's been more reinforced. I'll tell you a recent event that I went to, um, I'd never had a, someone who was, who sort of played with energy before. Um, and I did this exercise where I was literally, um, the, there was a woman who was meditating and I could touch the, the string of connectivity. I'd never actually been able to touch and feel what spirituality felt like. I know that sounds really strange, but you sort of put your hands together and you look, and then what happens is as she meditates on, I want to think of one person and then her family and then her community and then the world, like what's fascinating is you could literally feel the connection go from like a small thin rope, you know, to a thicker rope to like a giant you know, like, um, cable, you know, it's, it, it, it was, it was phenomenal to experience something like that. And if I, if I just was closed minded to spirituality in general, I would have never been able to experience that. Cause I'd be like, ah, oh, this is just a trick. But in that moment, it was just a continuous reinforcement that it's here when you need it. You can tap this energy whenever you choose to. And it's now a matter of, okay, so how do I, you know? And so that, so it became, so it is much more part of my life today than it was even two and a half years ago. How, given that, yeah. how do you integrate this with your business world? Mm. And that is why I'm here. I, I tell you that authentically because, um, I haven't been able to, here's what happened in January of this last year, I was given a gift. Most people wouldn't see it as a gift, but my largest client, the one that I'd been working with for the last five years, uh, did not renew our contract. And so all this amazing growth, all this amazing success, this would have devastated most people to say, oh my God, I've got a company who's been so successful nine years in, and now suddenly our largest client is moving away. I used, I saw it as a gift. So what I did is I allowed my team to basically use the three month transition we had in the contract to, to basically exit. And the reason why is I knew that I could go back and scrap it out and find another client, replace the revenue and sort of keep on that hamster wheel. But I said, this is an opportunity to start over and to start over in a different way, to start with spirituality being more of my focus, not less, to sort of to end what had begun and begin a new chapter in my life. And I can't tell you so many amazing things have happened since that time that at the moment I did that, that is when I had the opportunity to have Siri Lindley, who's a three-time world champion triathlon herself and her, her partner Beck, five, five, uh, five titles. They're coaching me for my Ironman. That would have never happened if I hadn't opened myself up to these possibilities. I got to stand next to Tony Robbins as he rings the NASDAQ opening bell. I mean, these experiences are life-changing because what's happened is as I sort of close 
closed out that which was no longer serving me, I opened up to an entirely new universe of possibilities. And every single day gets better than the last. And I know it's hard to even say that, but I just was never on that trajectory before. I don't know what the future holds for me. I'm telling you God's honest truth. I don't know. But what I do know is that I'm on the right path and that I know that when I'm connecting with people authentically and I'm truly helping them and I'm not trying to basically sell them anything anymore, I'm not trying to basically, like, for example, this client that, I, that let us go, you know, they sell frozen Mexican food. The problem with that for me was I didn't believe in, like, it's not a nutritious product. It's not something. So it's like, uh, on the one hand, I'm, I'm making good money off it, but it doesn't feel right because it doesn't align with my own sense of values and purpose, right? So now that's gone. I can really take on only the things that truly matter to me and truly feel like they're making a difference in the world. And by having that standard, it's just, it's a whole different ballgame. So whether I'm rebuilding from scratch, whether I'm just going to join some forces with somebody else, I don't know what all that's going to entail and unfold. And hopefully you'll give me a little bit of insight onto that, which I appreciate. But what I do know is that I know that in my deepest part, that spirituality will be part of what I do going forward. And I'm here to serve humanity in a much deeper level than I've been historically been able to. And that excites the hell out of me. Well, that's a perfect place to transition to our next segment. We're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, Bill and I are going to dive into the mini intuitive reading that I've done for him. We'll be right back. Do you have a story or a comment you'd like to share? I'd love to hear from you. Follow the show on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at All Possible Show. You can also connect with me directly at my own website, beingmypurpose.com. Do you remember what we used to say about running? Oh, somebody bigger had to chase you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Exactly, exactly. I'm BJ Smith, and that's exactly how I felt about running most of my life. That was until one fall day in 2011. I was chasing my son in the backyard when... Something had to change. This was the beginning of my journey to becoming a runner. One that would take me from couch to marathon in less than two years. Now I'm setting my sights higher. This is 16 Weeks, a new podcast from Mouth Media Network, following me on my journey to get into shape while keeping up my obligations at work and still being there for my family. And I'm not doing it alone. My name is Keith Smart. I won a silver medal in Beijing. I'm a sport and exercise psychologist at ECU. Coach athletes all over the world. and I'll talk with experts about challenges all runners face, like figuring out how to make time to run, what to eat, and how to train. You got so dehydrated. Your heart rate went up and it felt like you were working so hard. Everything's trainable, whether it's run form, strength. That's all trainable, and so is our thinking. Subscribe now to 16 Weeks on iTunes, Google Play Music, or wherever you find great podcasts. Together, we can do this. Welcome back, everyone. I am here with Bill Carmody, who is the CEO of TreyPoint. And we had just gotten to know a little bit about his many transformations. And now we're going to dive into the mini intuitive reading that I've done for him. So this may not be uh, new for a lot of you in terms of um, listeners, but um, I'll, I'll share a little bit about my process and what... Uh, I will go into. So how I do this is first I meditate on Bill's name and his email address, which was all I had at that point. And I do all of my readings beforehand. And I then go into the Akashic Records, which is this spiritual body of information of thoughts, emotions, um, purposes, whatever exists already. And I then can receive words. So I channel text. And when I do this, I'm fully conscious at my laptop. Usually I'm at home and I will receive, um, I can receive pages of information for the purpose of this. Uh, I receive maybe around three paragraphs of text. Um, every so often I'll hear, okay, it's time for an image. So I'll close my eyes and I will see in my mind's eye images. And these are things that are just um worth a thousand words and really meant to convey something more complex. Um, 
And you'll, you'll see a little bit more of how this works as we dive in. So, so Bill, I'm going to read this verbatim to you. And um, everything is written in third person. So it refers to you as Bill, he, him, those types of pronouns. Um, it might refer to me as you because I'm the one seeing and feeling all of this. And every so often there are words that are in all caps. And what that means is that it's capitalized intentionally, and it just means it's more important. Those particular words are more important for you to take note of. And my visual signal is I'll just put two fingers up like this so you'll see. And for our listeners, I will say this word is in all caps, mm -hmm. just so that they, they um, recognize the importance of that particular word. So this reading goes into, given what is going on in your life right now, what is the one thing that I can share with you that can help you align with who you are at your soul level and can help you move forward in the way that you want to move forward? So I asked, what is the highest guidance for him at this time? It is about communication. It is not just a sterile word that allows for a myriad of opportunities and caves to explore. It is, in fact, a living entity. The words that he speaks are not just words. They are like prized possessions, packets of diamonds, that he is letting loose in the world. The place where we recommend looking at is how he views his own style of communication. He may create an external view for himself, and that is fine and good. It is how he communicates with himself, all caps, that can use a boost. He feels like when he speaks his needs and desires to himself, those words are not prized possessions. They are not racking up diamonds and trucking them so that he may deliver this goodness, all caps, to himself. Instead, what is he dishing out? What is the quality of the stone that he gives himself? It is likely not even the quality of concrete, which is made to build and create a strong foundation. It is more like debris, all caps like the kind of sticks and random things that surface as a river flows through its typical life. And so the image that I got for you is a continuation of this metaphor. You saw a river flowing in the wilderness. At its surface were sticks next to the leftovers of a tree that had fallen its fibers strung out and creating a small mass of debris that floated along. There is nothing inherently wrong with this debris. In fact, it accumulates on the riverbanks and creates a soft foundation for the forest. Over time, it builds and nourishes growth, all caps. In the next image, you noticed that there was gold in the river at the bottom of the rocks. This gold was small, dust and flakes, and traveled downriver as well. You knew that it was a matter of being able to see, all caps, the gold in the debris, all caps, that there was no use in coloring his view 100% so that it was all useless, all caps. 
in fact, everything has a use. To serve as a foundation, to in fact carry, all caps, the gold in a safe nest. So the action step, and this is something for you to reflect on, play with, explore. It says to reflect on his life, his communication style to himself, and see where he has only seen it from one perspective. Where is the gold, all caps, that he has not seen? How can he see that everything is for a foundation, building layers and layers on top of nourishing soil? So that is the end of the mini-reading. So now I'd like to hear how this resonates with you and what it brings up for you. So thoughts, memories, stories, feelings, ideas, whatever bubbles up for you. And see this as a starting off point for discussion. Well, first of all, thank you. Um, You're welcome. When you were talking about the diamonds that I was able to truck through my words and my expressions and my actions, um, I started crying. And the reason I started crying when you were reading that was because um, it sort of vibrated at my deepest, deepest level. And what I mean by that is that um, around the same time, actually just before the whole transformation with the Tony Robbins that I explained in the first segment, um, I was asked to start writing for Inc. Magazine and I started writing as a contributing writer. And they don't pay you anything. And it's not like, you know, this thing that, um, you know, you could see as another career or things like that. But I just love telling people's stories and I loved sort of sharing the insights that so many people have. We talk about that interconnectedness. I felt so empowered to be able to tell other people's stories, to share learnings and best practices uh, throughout all of my peers in my industry. And so the first thing that really struck me was that sort of being able to deliver diamonds, uh, you know, to hear you say that is so powerful because it rings completely authentically true because of what it's done for me. And what I mean by that is, is that, yeah, if you're chasing diamonds yourself, you know, they're very elusive, but if you're giving diamonds, everything shows up. And in the sense that my words provide diamonds to others, um, there's no question that you're right about that because of what's happened. It was because of my writing that I able to, I was able to start to connect with people like Tony Robbins and Malcolm Gladwell and Grant Cardone and, you know, all these amazing, amazing people. I mean, even today, Shabir Chowdhury, you know, some of the most amazing people in the, on, that I just, I admire so much and being able to have those conversations authentically with them was an outcome of my ability to build this sort of, content, you know, specifically spoken word content or written word content, um, where I'm in my, my zone when I'm on stage. And because I'm not there for my ego, I'm not there to sort of put myself up on stage and say how awesome I am. I'm there to serve my audience and I can feel the energy that goes back and forth as I'm authentically giving of myself. So all of that just like really, really powerful. And it reinforced some of the things that I've been thinking about in terms of what that next chapter for my, for me looks like more speaking, more writing, more to be truly who I am is to, to sort of share all this that I've been able to collect for so long. But then you went one step further, which is to say that I don't give diamonds to myself, that my words in my own head, um, don't deliver the same impact for myself as I did impact for others. I've worked really hard to eliminate and dramatically reduce the negative self-talk. Um, you know, I was an incredibly mean and cruel critic of myself growing up and I have worked really hard, you know, to sort of quiet that. But I think 
all of us are our own worst enemy when it comes to criticism. We say things to ourselves that we would never say out loud to another human being, ever. But somehow we allow ourselves to be just nasty to ourselves. And, you know, and, and I've gotten a lot of control over that, but it still leaks out. And what hasn't transformed in my own inner monologue is having that same positivity that I have externally internally, which means I have not been able to take the same wisdom, insights, value, uh, belief systems, you know, spirituality and, and, and turn it into myself. You know, when you're on an airplane, you know, they say, you know, if there's ever an accident, put on your own mask before you can help others. And I've been so busy helping others with their masks that I haven't really focused on my own until recently, you know, the last two years, I've certainly done that for my health. But in terms of every other aspect of my life, you know, that's still very fluid. And as much as progress as I've made over the last couple of years, it's true that there's so much more. If I want to, if I want to make an impact on the world, I have to start first with myself. And so again, continuing sort of that resonating feeling and that sort of complete emotional flood as you're reading this to me, um, both externally, you know, I've, I've crafted an art that can uh, deliver diamonds to others. I, I love that that's acknowledged spiritually because I certainly feel it. And I certainly, the outcome of those diamonds has been world-class experiences that you just can't pay for. And that, you know, it's the, the value, I mean, standing next to Tony Robbins, you know, opening the opening bell of NASDAQ, you can't pay for that. If you wanted to, if you had all the money in the world, you still, there's 50 people on the planet that he allowed to be in that room. And I was one of them. And I felt so honored and privileged. That's the kind of diamonds that, well, I got that because of what I'd given so much prior to that in terms of all the articles I'd written, all the communication, all the experience that I'd had. So that written word, uh, you know, and, and even my, my own physical just, you know, embodiment there ha allowed me to get to that spot. And I share that with you only because it's an example and reinforcement of the absolute truth you speak. And I think the same thing goes internally and really understanding sort of where, um, you know, where there's lots of room for improvement in terms of being able to identify the gold in myself and not sort of ha allow the negative self-talk or the sort of, you know, um, frustrations that sometimes come up for all of us to be able to have that stop me from being able to continue to deliver the diamonds both internally and externally. Beautiful. Beautifully Thank said. Thank you. It's amazing. <laughs> yes, we both need to take a deep breath. Yeah. No, I mean, it's, it's really powerful. I, I just, I, I didn't know what to expect when I came here today. You know, I knew it would be cool. I knew that it would be interesting. Um, you know, and, and when Pavan told me about sort of what you do and, and I saw it on the website, I was like, this is, this is neat. I, you know, it seems like a really good time in my life to have this conversation and, but you know, it just, it was very, very moving. So thank you. Cause it's a real special gift that you have. And I appreciate you taking the time to do it with me. You're welcome. My pleasure. Okay. So let us all take a, a, a deep breath. And this is a great point for us to take a break. And when we come back, I'm going to dive a little deeper into the reading with Bill uh, to talk a little bit more about some of the distinctions that I see. And I'm going to ask him a few more questions about his spiritual practice. We'll be right back after this. If you're a business decision maker, you should listen to this. The show you're listening to is produced by Mouth Media Network, a podcasting network focused on the business of lifestyle. Because of our team's background and deep connections with brands, influencers, and ecosystems, we offer a tremendous opportunity to bring your company's message and products in front of decision makers from several verticals, including fashion, beauty, travel, materials and textiles, health and fitness, and lifestyle. Reach out to the Mouth Media team now at podcast at mouthmedianetwork.com. Let's explore how we can collaborate and make Mouth Media Network a meaningful resource to share your message and grow your business. Again, that's podcast at mouthmedianetwork.com.
Welcome back, everyone. So there are a few distinctions that came up in the mini reading that I'd like to explore a little more. Sure. One is this notion of the debris,、mm-hmm. and the way the way I saw it, it at first seemed like debris. Like when you contrast it with diamonds, it does seem like it's different. It's maybe useless. It doesn't have its worth. And then as the image continued, it kind of brought us to a different angle of seeing how this wasn't debris. Sure. That it was, you know, sure it could be, you know, trees that had fallen, sticks, all of that, you know, in its decomposition. But that 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 form added to the nourishing soil of the riverbank、right. of the forest,、right. and that if it weren't for that, we wouldn't have a forest. Right. So I I, I interpreted that、um, as you were reading it about、uh, all of the various interests that I have as trying to be a whole person. And what I mean by that is is that. I struggle quite a lot with my calendar.、Um, I've had a, a coach for you know several years, and、uh, one of the things that I struggle with on the, with the coaching is trying to basically take in all the things that I want to do in my life and create a little bit more clarity. In in the first part of your vision, what I the way I would interpret that was that this debris is getting in the way of being able to present more diamonds, in the sense that. If I cut out all the other pieces, then I could really focus on just being the distributor of diamonds on a consistent basis, right? If I did my calendar the way that a lot of people recommend, then I would easily just block out massive chunks of just creating incredible value day in and day out, and and I'm interested in that. I really am. But at the same time, the randomness of the calendar, the people that call me out of the blue, the stories that I end up writing on ink that sort of may not make sense at the time,、um, you know, send ten. That's what's building the forest, and so、uh, I'll give you a perfect example.、Um, uh, this guy, gentleman, Sabir, Sabir Chowdhury, he, I, I had an interview with him on Ink Today,、uh, and、um, and when I was asked to interview him, it felt it felt like debris, and I say that because. Uh, you know, it was Tony Robbins who wrote、uh, that. You know, if you're looking to create breakthroughs in your business and your life, this book is for you. His PR agency sent me the book, and they said, "Would you please read this and, and interview this guy?" I'd never heard of him. I didn't know who he was. I didn't know anything about this gentleman. And all I thought was, "I got another book. I got to read this, and I got to do this thing." But I feel like I owe so much to the PR agency that I've worked with because of these amazing experiences I have with Tony Robbins. That there's really nothing they can ask that I will say no to. Really, I mean, I'll keep doing this. But I really, really saw it as a favor, and a favor being the debris that was coming into this wall. It was distracting me from delivering more diamonds than other areas that I was more focused on. But to that end, I had the most single most you know amazing interview that I've ever had on my my show with him today, because what it did is it really opened up all these new possibilities to the point where. You know, this guy is looking to change the world in such an authentic way. It just resonated to my very soul. You know, and and the book res. I mean, it's the first business book that I literally cried in. You know, I can't remember any business book that's ever brought me to tears, and this one did. Right. So this idea of、um, the difference—that's the name of his book, the difference. The, the idea of sort of making a difference and sort of how it, how your,、uh, the way which you have a caring approach to everybody and everyone you interact with, it will transform business, but also transform. From your life, like all these messages that were coming through, like it was amazing, but it started out as debris, and it started out as debris because it was like another thing that I had to do for this thing just to keep up this sort of relationship with this PR agency that I really wanted to keep the relationship with. They, there was an ask, I decided to deliver. It's fine. But that—that's how I see it. Is that basically there's lots of that kind of things that would initially appear to be debris that's distracting me from doing the things that I'm really meant to be doing, and yet. When you accept it and you say it's okay, this is part of the process, this is part of the journey. It builds the riverbank so that the bank is stronger, which means I can deliver more diamonds. And in truth, you know, after having the conversation with this gentleman today, I didn't know that he was one of the world's best, you know,、uh, change agents. You know, he he saves companies billions of dollars, and yet he's on a mission to bring this different message out there, and he wants me to be part of it. And it was like. 
oh my God, you know, like this is a whole different opportunity that I just never would have even fathomed. And to me, that's where the debris turns into soil and nourishment and something much, much greater because you allow it to be what it's meant to be and you don't fight it. It's floating down the river. You just go with it and you see where it ends up. And sometimes it is debris. Sometimes, you know what, it's not going to work out and that's just how it is. But that sort of clears itself out of the river naturally, doesn't it? But for the things that, that are turning into soil, you know, it is the nourishment that is needed in the river to expand and grow and continue to be the amazing river that it is. And I, I love how and it described the debris as as carrying the gold. Yeah. And that it had formed this soft nest. Nest. Yeah. Kind of a protective place that's for right. it to carry through. That's right. And I think that's it. I mean, right, these opportunities that may seem like debris, you know, when you sort of look at them in the aggregate, you know, it is really sort of protecting the gold and actually making it easier when you're on the river to identify where the gold is. It's like, you know, all that debris, all the things that appear to be debris on the outside suddenly is the container for the, the true essence of the gold that you wanted to have in the first place. And so it's a great analogy, but it's also so very accurate because you can see how all these pieces individually feel like distractions, but collectively really deliver something amazing. You know? Right. Right. And you can also map the debris to your self-talk. Yes. Where, and it seems like it started out as, oh, you know, this might be, you know, I guess it's competing competing priorities in your calendar or whatever that looks like. And, and, you know, all of us can yes. talk a lot about what we can be doing and, and all of those things and being able to kind of shift from that self-talk as debris to the self-talk as, as soil nourishment. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I mean, that's just it. The, the, the negative self-talk is why can't you keep your calendar? You know, why are you allowing all these things in? You know, you're allowing too many distractions into your life. You know, you should be focused more. These should, da, 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 right? Woulda, shoulda, coulda. Or as I love, you know, don't should all over yourself, <laughs> you know, because that's what ends up happening. But that's, I think that's the negative self-talk that we were discussing earlier. And I think what's interesting about it is, is that when you truly reflect on what appears to be debris and you realize the gold in which it contains, it's an amazing thing. And suddenly you can go back to that sort of negative self-talk and say, look at what we've done together. You know, look at how we've accomplished this. You know, look at all the things that have transpired by allowing a little bit of debris to, to, to sort of cluster together and, and really deliver the gold. Yeah. Beautiful. Well, I'll leave that with you. Thank you. And you're welcome. You had mentioned earlier mm -hmm. that you want to focus on spirituality. Yes. And a first thing. Yes. What does that look like for you now? Like if you could describe on a, like in the morning I wake up and this is what I do or, yeah. or what I visualize, like what is your practice and what would you like your practice to be if mm -hmm. it, if it doesn't already match? So I would say that before I decided to train for an Ironman, um, I had a very rigorous practice of 10-minute morning meditation. And what I would do is I would get up in the morning and I would do some breath exercises just to, you know, sort of get myself, you know, sort of in that place. Um, and then I would... Uh, I would have sort of a three segment meditation. The first few minutes I would uh, focus on deep gratitude and I would look at sort of like all that I am grateful for, starting with my wife, my children, my family, you know, my, my, my team, my employees of the company, um, my friends, my neighbors, my, you know, the youth group that I lead all, I mean, just expanding and spiraling out into, until you sort of have a gratitude flood where you realize just how amazing your life is because of all the things you're grateful for. And this is not me being egotistical. I think everybody could experience that if they choose to. I think most people don't because they focus on what they don't have instead of what they do. But when you take the time to really be grateful for all that you have, you realize you don't live in scarcity, you live in abundance. And so bringing that to a daily practice and living in that abundance uh, was just an amazing way to start your day. 
The second thing that I do is then say, okay, so now that I have all this abundance, who do I share it with? Who needs my abundance more than I do? And so I look at that and say, how many people that I could share my positive energy, my abundance with? And in my mind, I'm basically giving this sort of healing energy and positivity, and I'm taking it and just sort of shooting it out from me to all the people in my life that need it the most. And I really try to look for those people who are either frustrated or in pain or going through a, a tough time, maybe a divorce or, you know, a, you know, family member sick. And I'm really trying to basically, you know, shoot that out there with whatever spiritual power that I, that I now contain. Is that like a, a visualization? Or, yes. Or yeah. It's a deep kind of feel both the right? expansion. So, of energy? Yeah. so I feel the energy coming in from my head and into my heart and then sort of shooting out with my, with my hands to the individuals that need it the most. And so I visualize them. I visualize what they're going through. I visualize, you know, where they need the most healing. And I try to use that to help that. So if it's going through a tough, you know, tough time, finding a job, you know, whatever transition that they had to be in, you know, whether they acknowledge it or not, I'm constantly sending that positive energy their way to sort of help them make sure that they're getting through whatever tough time they're in. So that's the second part. And then the third part uh, is is really um, my three to thrive, which is basically now what are the three things that I need to really accomplish, whether it's today or the next month or the next year, that's going to take me to that next level of my existence. So like, you know, it could be something small or it could be something huge. Like right now it's the Ironman. That's a massive, you know, so like all the things that I'm doing for that. But it's also just being completely mindful of my children as they're growing up. I have a 10-year-old boy and a 13 you know, about to be 13 year old boy. And, and in that, it's like, you know, I want to really enjoy the time that I'm spending with them. I'm extending my life so that I can be more in their lives. So make sure that I'm conscious and considerate of, of sort of how that shows up. And every time that they're with me, that I'm not distracted and looking at my phone or trying to multitask, but I'm really present with them, right? So those are the kinds of things in Three to Thrive, or maybe it's a new business venture or something else. So that's what I had done until I started my Ironman training. And then the challenge there became was that I'm doing anywhere between two and three hours workouts every morning. So I'm getting up at like three, three thirty every morning. I never, I mean, you never used to get up before six, right? So, so now I'm going to the gym and I'm doing this. So what I've done is I've, I've shifted a little bit. I still do that meditation, but now I'm doing it, um, uh, in conjunction with exercise. So for example, this morning I, I swam for an hour and a half. And so, you know, as you're doing 180 laps, you know, I'm, I'm visualizing these same things as I'm going down the pool. So I'm basically physically moving my body, you know, whether it's on a bike or whether it's on a treadmill or whether, you know, I'm running outside or whatever it is, or I'm a swing in a pool, I'm using that sort of spiritual energy while I'm also exercising. And there's an interesting thing that happens there. It's a little more challenging because when you're sitting and you're in meditative state, you're calm, your mind is calm, you know, you have no external uh, stimuli to sort of distract you. So in many ways, it's strengthening my resolve to meditate and sort of, you know, connect with that spiritual side because in order to also not drown in the pool or fall mm -hmm. off the treadmill, mill or, you know what I mean? Like I have to be mindful of all these other things that I'm physically doing and still be able to meditate and still be able to sort of uh, have that massive amount of gratitude. Nothing's more challenging than a mile 10 on a treadmill when you're trying to be grateful. <laughs> you know, wow. you have no breath and you're still trying to be grateful and think about gratitude, right? So it's become more challenging, but I think in many ways it's strengthening my resolve to connect to that spiritual energy. Mm, talk about multitasking. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Um, let me leave you with one last question. Mm -hmm. You had mentioned just how important your family, your children are for you. As a parent and a spiritual man, mm -hmm. how are you instilling or not? It could be active or oh. inactive. How are you instilling a level of presence or mindfulness or kind of connection in your children? It's a wonderful question. And I'll tell you, it is a little bit of a struggle for me because, um, you know, I am very deeply involved with my congregation, Unitarian Universalist Congregation at Shelter Rock. My wife and I got married there, but my wife uh, was forced to go to uh, religious school. And so she hated it. She hated every minute of it. And so when we put our kids through uh, religious education, um, they fought me. And it was a losing battle because my wife and I were divided. And of course, you know, a divided house cannot stand. 
weekend. So the kids eventually were able to sort of finagle my, my wife into sort of letting them not go to RE and whatnot. So I've had to be very creative in terms of, I, I can't go down the traditional route because they're, they're you know, all, I'm getting three against one fought against me. Right. Um, so instead what I do is two things. One, I, um, I look to my children as my mentors and I flip the relationship. I look for what I can learn from them as opposed to what I can teach them. And I do that very deliberately because I think parents feel like they must pass down all of their knowledge and their wisdom and things of that nature. And what I realized is you do that authentically by just what you do. So like if you are being a true authentic person, your kids pick up on that. They see what you do. They see what you value. They see that I'm not there in the morning because at 3.30 I'm off to the gym and they see that, you know, obviously my health is valuable to me and that I'm spending a lot of time investing in it. They see that I I spent a lot of time writing uh, and and that that's important to me. And so they're picking up my values through my actions. So what I look to do is then sort of figure out like, are there opportunities for small, you know, know, corrections or whatnot in the children, but I try to really focus on what they can teach me about myself, about our family and whatnot. And then the second thing that I do is I look to try to spend some quality time with each of my children in something that they love, right? So, so I, for my youngest son, Ryan, he loves to be in the hot tub and he loves biking. So we'll do, so our spirituality connections will happen as we talk about philosophy and life and, and what the big picture in the hot tub, you know, and that's when we'll have some of those deeper conversations or when we're riding a bike, you know, we have a, I have a tandem bike that I bought so the two of us could ride together. So we have those philosophical conversations while we're doing that. And my oldest son, Will, is constantly, you know, looking at sort of karate and things like that. So we try to figure out ways in which we can connect and then have those conversations. And part of me is I realize that what resists persists. So the more I try to push views or or spirituality or whatnot onto my kids, they're going to deflect that as much as they humanly possible. So instead, I look for opportunity. And so well, I'm looking for ways to draw them in based on sort of their needs. And so when they have questions like, you know, what happens when you die or, you know, what's, what's, you know, why, why do so many people fight over religion and sort of those, then that's an opportunity to invite in and have a really interesting conversation, but I'm not forcing it on them. And I, and I hope, and I believe that by doing that, it's going to be more real and authentic and maybe not as often as I would like, but at the same time, those few times when we intersect in those conversations, it's, it leaves lasting impressions. And so that's kind of how I've, I've gelled it because I would much rather have them go to Sunday school with me while I'm sort of teaching, you know, my, um, my, uh, youth in our youth group, I'd love to have them go through their own RE program. But since that's not happening, I try to find creative ways to do it outside of that. Does that answer your question? Yes, it does. Words of wisdom for any parents in our audience, parents to be. So thank you so much. Um, so I'd love to allow our audience to get in touch with you. So how can they? And also uh, see this as an opportunity to share something that's important to you, a cause, um, a, a book recommendation, word word of advice. What would you like to share with our audience? I love that. So if you're interested in the diamonds that I'm sending out into the world, um, I would start on Inc. So um, I, I write for on Inc.com. Um, and if you want to uh, connect with me, um, just Bill Carmody uh, on Facebook, LinkedIn, you know, any social platform of your choice, um, I'm there. Uh, and I would love to connect with your audience if there's anything that they would like, you know, and if they want to reach me directly, um, I'm Bill at TreyPoint.com, B-I-L-L at T-R-E-P-O-I-N-T.com. Anyone who needs needs help or support, I'm happy to do that. Um, You know, it's interesting about the cause. Uh, Before today, I wouldn't even have brought this up, but the gentleman that I interviewed today, Sabir Kaudry, uh, his book is called The Difference, When Good Enough Isn't Enough. And I will tell you, I've read hundreds, if not thousands of of books over my lifetime. And this is by far the most transformational book that I would encourage your audience to pick up. It's 130 pages, super fast read. This guy has saved companies billions of dollars, and he is totally going to a new, authentic place of helping 
helping people really have a caring mindset. And so it's not my book, it's his book, but I totally believe in it. I believe it is going to change the world. And I'm very much to the point where I'm looking at opportunities to actually bring him in as a keynote speaker and, and travel with him around the world and help do the interviews like I did today, which he offered up. And so you'll see me when you see me on the stage next time, it won't be about me or marketing or anything else. It'll be about how to help bring this message to the world. So that would be the thing that I would leave with your listeners. Well, thank you, Bill, so much for being here, for sharing your heart, for sharing mm -hmm. your, your stories and your words of wisdom for our audience. Julie, I want to thank you so much for taking the time, not just to have me on your show, but also to meditate and think about those amazing three paragraphs that you, that you said today that really have made a massive impact on me. And I, and I think that we'll still feel the spiritual reverberations for years to come. So thank you for this time today. It means the world to me. You're welcome. And to our audience, thank you so much for being with us. And until next time, be on the lookout for all possibilities. Follow the show on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at All Possible Show. Episodes are available on iTunes, Google Play, and our website, allpossibilitiesshow.com. This show is produced by Mouth Media Network, copyright 2017, all rights reserved. No portion of the show may be distributed or published without the expressed written permission of the producers. Thank you for joining us. This is Mouth Media Network, covering the business of lifestyle.